And welcome back to Real Talk Sports with Rico. Today I will be your host. Today's show we are actually talking about some of the best NBA moments here over the weekend here. We'll be talking about some clutch games and how that actually plays into the season. We'll also be talking about the Jake Paul boxing match here which I think was absolutely fabulous here if you did not get a chance to see that fight we'll be touching back over that there where uh, Jake Paul actually took his first loss as a professional fighter here so before we actually jump into the content let me first and foremost thank Anchor for being our platform let me thank the sponsors out there for putting sponsorship on the show and the fans out there who have actually chimed in on a week-to-week basis here to uh, actually help us drive content to the show so without further ado let's go ahead and uh, jump into the content here and so let's start off here with like I said the weekend here and the NBA action here and uh, the one game that actually stood out to me here over the weekend starting with the Saturday was the Philadelphia 76ers versus the uh, Boston Celtics here and essentially you know we had talked about this before on some other podcasts here and talked about you know how good the Celtics have been and how Philly is really trying to get over that hump I mean when you look at the Philadelphia 76ers here essentially under Doc Rivers they have been a 50 win team they have not been able to get out of the second round or get uh, past the second round and into the finals here in the Eastern Conference and you're wondering is this going to be the year? I think that Joel Embiid was the MVP last year, although I cannot take that away from, um, you know, the Joker and Denver. But I definitely think Joel Embiid was at an MVP level and continues to play at an MVP level. Uh, but to this point here, the 76ers were in this game and uh, they were actually winning it by 15 points there if you were watching this contest here um you know they were giving the celtics everything that they could handle at home and the celtics were able to find a way to get the win in a dramatic fashion here as jason tatum was able to hit a three-pointer with just a second left to go and to add to the irony Joel Embiid would get the inbounds pass and basically toss it the full court with one hand and it would go in but it would go in after um, the buzzer had sounded or the ball was still in his hand um, you know once the the clock had had reached zero there so you know this is it, it it was interesting to me for a lot of different reasons here because when you look at the box score you know we all know how special Jatum, jason tatum is excuse me he did just come off the all-star mvp here but he was really shooting terribly at, at this point in time i mean he finished at 7 of 17 three of eight from the three-point line um he did have 10 rebounds and six assists he was a minus six in the box score and he had five turnovers here but still hit the clutch three-pointer there and um you know finished with 18 points here and you know that just goes to you know jason tatum i think stepping into this greatness you know you see that with some players where and i think this has been touched on on tnt too when you talk about it um you know i've heard this this said by charles barkley but there's a certain level where there's stars and there's superstars And Jason Tatum, to me, has definitely, if he's not in that uh, echelon, you definitely should be putting him here in that superstar um, echelon here. And he actually might be an MVP. Um, I know it's going to be tough this year, but, 
you know, the way he's played and elevated his game and really uh, just helped the Celtics kind of get into this championship window. Um, it's been spectacular here. And I love the fact that he was able to trust his teammates and continue to trust himself, even though he didn't shoot the basketball very well. Um, you look at Al Horford. Al Horford kind of turned back, um, you know, the hands of time here, hitting three a big three-pointers in the third quarter, which basically spurred the rally here for the Celtics to come back here. He finished with 15, four rebounds and two assists here. And then Jalen Brown, what a half that he had. I mean, he finished with 10 of 21, uh, two of four from the three-point line, four or five from the free-throw line, but more importantly, with 26 points here and four rebounds. It's amazing to me that Jalen Brown has been this effective um, you know, because I know he does have the broken uh, jaw or something, a fracture in his face or whatever the case may be. Um, and with that mask, man, that he plays with, it's a full on mask. It's not like it's a mask that, you know, just covers half of the face, man. It's a full on mask. And for him to be that effective, you know, I can only imagine what's going to happen once he's not playing with the mask anymore. Um, and then how about, you know, Grant Williams continuing to play well off the bench. He had four, um, four, and then also a block there as well. And then Derek White, a guy that not many people have talked about here, but since he's come over from the Spurs, I think that that for sure was the difference maker for the Celtics here as far as being able to turn the corner and be a championship team here. I think it definitely added to the uh, depth there on the roster here. And, you know, you had Marcus Smart with 10. You had Robert Williams coming back from his knees and everything. He had 14 and 8 and some big dunks in this one. So, you know, for me, this was just more affirming of how good the Celtics are. And then it also, too, affirms to me where the Philadelphia 76ers are. And this essentially is what you see in the playoffs as well. Um, you had 41 from Joel Embiid. You had 21 from James Harden here. And at times, you know, the team looked lackadaisical, especially as Boston was making its big run in the third and the fourth. You had Tobias Harris with 19 points, um, P.J. Tucker, 16 boards and seven uh, points there. I think this is the second time maybe in his career where he's had like, I believe, 11 rebounds going into halftime. So. You know, that's exactly what you brought P.J. Tucker over for. But it amazes me, man. Like, there was so much plus uh, in the plus-minus box here. Plus 21 for P.J. Tucker. Plus 18 for Tobias Harris. Plus 8 for Joel Embiid. Plus 9 for James Harden. Plus 3 for uh, DeAndre Melton. And they still lose this basketball game. Um, you know, Jane McDaniels didn't play very well off the bench. He was negative 23 in the box score, only four points here. George Niang here, negative um, 22. Tyrese Maxey struggled, uh, only had eight points here. Uh, Shake Milton uh, didn't have any points as well. So when you look at the bench for uh, Philadelphia, you know, this is, I think, one of the things where Philadelphia is going to have to step up. Ideally, you're going to get a lot more buckets, I think, from Tyrese Maxey uh, in the way he's going to be able to affect the basketball game. I think that what they got with Tobias Harris is everything that they could ever ask for, could Philly. And, you know, with James Harden, the 21 and 8, that's about right on par with what they're going to need, um, you know, the 76ers. And so my thing is with them is just 
and I've said it before on this show that if Philadelphia is going to take that leap, if they're going to get past Boston or Milwaukee, they're going to have to have their stars have to play at a top end level. And I think it starts with James Harden. James Harden played fabulous, I think, in this one. And I think that this has got to translate in the playoffs if you're uh, in that Philadelphia 76ers locker room. They need that type of play in order to edge out the Celtics or the Bucks here. And then they're going to need to have their bench play a lot more better. Obviously, Joel Embiid's health is going to be critical as well here. So, you know, I know that the players would probably say that this is just another game. But I think it's a little bit more than that. And I think this is a situation here where, you know, Boston has got to be feeling good about themselves coming down the home stretch here. Philadelphia, I think, is looking at themselves here and they've got to kind of look in the mirror here because this is exactly what they are going to face here um, against this Celtics team. And when you look here this season, the Celtics beat them in game one, 126 to 117. The Celtics have beat them 106 to 99 uh, here in early February or February, excuse me. And then they just beat them here. Um, on their third to fourth matchup here, 110 to 107 with the 76ers up by 15 here. So I just think that at some point you have to be able to have some confidence going into the playoffs here and uh, kudos to the Celtics here taking care of business here. Um, you know, their coach just got the new extension as well. I think that that's really big uh, for the Celtics here. And again, I, I think that this is huge, I think, for um, you know, for the Celtics, man, it's huge for the Celtics. I think it's huge for the game here. Uh, the fact that they're able to, to kind of come out here and take care of business like this before the playoffs, because again, I, I think that you get so much confidence, man, when you're able to go ahead and, and beat a team that you actually will probably be seeing here uh, into the playoffs here. So next up here, uh, another big thing here that I think happened over the weekend that I think is, is pretty incredible. How about Dame Lillard, man, scoring 71 points here? Think about this for this week, uh, or basically two weeks for him. He hit the game-winning shot in the three-point contest and won that. He hit the game-winning shot in the All-Star game, which ended that. And then he comes out after a day of rest here and gets the 71 points here against Houston here. And it was just amazing. I had a chance to look at this game here via the league pass. And Dame Lillard, man, was in his bag like he was reaching for the French fries in the bottom of the bag. I mean, he gave the Rockets everything they could handle. He was giving them step backs, runners, dunking on them, three-point plays. I mean, it was fabulous. And so my thing with this is, man, somebody at some point has got to want to come to Portland or how do they get Dame Lillard to go over to a championship team? And I have to give him kudos because he is super loyal, a humble guy. And I just want to say that, you know, I think they interviewed Paul George and they said, you know, who's the guy that you would like to see get a championship? And he obviously said Russell Westbrook, and I respect that. But I think if I were asked that question, I feel like Dame Lillard is that guy that I would want to see get a championship here. Um, you know, it's it's even questionable to see 
you know, I gotta let me check the standings real quick to see where actually Portland is here at this point in time. When you look at Portland, they are right now at the 11th spot here, and they're not even in the playing consideration here. So, you know, I hope that Portland does get into the playing situation here. When you look at Golden State, Utah, Minnesota, the New Orleans Pelicans, and then maybe the Portland Trailblazers in there or the Lakers. I think the Golden State Warriors obviously are the team that I would be most afraid of and the team that I think could win a play-in scenario here. But I think it would be certainly exciting to see Portland get in there uh, and make a run here. So that's definitely uh, one of the things here that I thought that was a bright spot here over the weekend and one of the major storylines here. And then lastly here, how about the uh, Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Lakers here? So going into the Sunday slate of games, obviously I think that the Lakers game was circled here. I had talked about this on the podcast. Uh, You know, by the way, you can catch us on YouTube. Uh, We do have a YouTube channel there where we actually have our podcast. That's Real Talk Sports with Rico. You can catch us there. And I was talking about this, and I had said that the Lakers are in a great situation here. I think that they've gone ahead and they've addressed a couple different situations for them. They've actually gone out and got some legit shooting to go around LeBron James, which is obviously how he's been successful in his championship runs. And on top of that, they've got a lot younger, which definitely works out in the Lakers' favor there. Um, You know, the, the key for them is can... Uh, Anthony Davis stay healthy and then also now you're wondering if LeBron can stay healthy you know because the Lakers were down 15 against the Mavericks and found a way to get a win here 111 to 108 Uh, the big thing here is they are now right behind Portland who I just said is in the 11th spot here. So they're trying to get into the playing situation here. They have won four of their last five here. But more importantly, I think guys are understanding what they need here down the stretch here. Uh, Now, Anthony Davis had 30 points, 15 rebounds, and three blocks here. Obviously, what the production that you would want to have here. But how about what they got here in their trade assets here? You know, you look at Vanderbilt here, the power forward that they got, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, excuse me, that they got here in the trade. He had 15 points, a big 17 rebounds. You look at the fact that they have Malik Beasley here, didn't shoot the ball as well as they would like, but still had eight points here and did knock in a couple threes here. You look at uh, Hachimura, he had two, Troy Brown, five. Um, you know, Austin Reeves, who I think to me has kind of filled in um, for that Alex Caruso role in the sense that he uh, is a disruptor on the defensive end, knocks down timely shots here and does a little bit of everything and reminds me a lot of Alex Caruso for sure. And so he had nine points, the three assists and three rebounds, you know, again, just kind of stuffing the stat sheet there. And so this was big for the Lakers, man, because you know, you get Schroeder over there and he's playing good basketball here. He had 16. LeBron had 26 and eight here. He did injure his ankle, was able to finish the game, was saw later here limping off into the tunnel. But key being, they win another game here. They're trending up here. And I think that there is some real, um, there's some real confidence that I can see in the Lakers that they haven't really had since they were in the bubble here, that this team 
is in a place now where it can compete. Now, am I willing to say that they are going to lock into a, uh, an, a, a guaranteed playoff spot? Not necessarily. I think that the realistic thing for the Lakers here is they've got to get themselves into a play-in situation. Now, if you can get LeBron James into a play-in situation here, along with Anthony Davis, they are going to be a tough team to beat um, for you know anybody out there. So I think that that's the key for the Lakers here. On the flip side of this thing, when you look at the Dallas Mavericks, the one thing that I had said about this situation is that it is going to be very fun to watch. They're going to sell a lot of tickets, but I don't think that they're going to have the real success that they would like in the playoffs because they have two players that are one and nine in the isolation um, category. And that, that means that, you know, Luka is number one in isolation basketball. He also leads the league in scoring. And then Kyrie Irving was number nine as far as isolation basketball. Um, and being able to score off that. So you have two players that can create their own shots. However, because of the depth that the Dallas Mavericks have given up and the fact that they have given up a lot of their shooting, a lot of their defensive prowess here, those lanes and you know the things that uh, basically these, these scores are gonna have, it's, it's come down to where they get bogged down a little bit more. And I think you saw that at times that their offense kind of, uh, it, it, it stalled a bit because it, it's just one of those things where I think defensively teams are able to load up. They're able to crowd the floor and shrink the floor a lot of times. And then also when they kick out, um, you know, they're, they're kicking out to shooters that it's going to be a little bit more tough. You know, like Justin Holiday had to play and I like Justin Holiday a lot. Um, you know, he does a little bit of everything here, but it was a tough matchup, man. At times, he had to play LeBron. Um, if you're looking for him to just be a knockdown three-point shooter, that's not necessarily his game. Reggie Bullock can do that, although he didn't shoot very well. And this one, only six. Um, you look at uh, Marcus Morris. I think he's the, the another good shooter here. He only had three. Christian Wood's productivity has been up and down, two of five. He had 14, and then you had Tim Hardaway, who was four of eight from the three-point line, and uh, you had Josh Green have nine, and he actually shot the best from downtown. So, you know that's that's a tough scenario, man, because you know you lose um, Dorian uh, Smith, and you know that's a guy that can knock down threes. You lost uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. It's a guy that can knock down threes as well. So they they lost some shooting, man. And I think that that kind of hurt the Mavs. And I think that that's what you saw there. Obviously, you see where Jason Kidd kind of lashed out with the maturity comments. And I think a lot of people would agree that he is probably talking to Luka because when calls do not go his way, um, a great player, everything else, but he does tend to hang and, and be mad at the refs and, and complain there. And that's a situation where he's got to get over that and understand that you're not going to get every call. And if you don't get the call, you've still got to get back and you've still got to defend well. So, um, you know, that's something that I think Luca will grow into. But, you know, I think we found out a little bit about both teams here. Um, you know, even though I know Dallas is in the better situation right now, still a long climb for the Lakers here as they kind of move up the ranks here, uh, moving forward here. So, um, 
you know, and then next up here, let's talk a little bit about the coaching news here where Quinn Snyder actually was hired with the Atlanta Hawks here. And so I know that there is only, uh, you know, 20, 21 games left here. But more importantly, with the Atlanta Hawks here, this is a team that was in the conference finals two years ago here. Um, they moved on from Nate McMillan here. And now the real question here is that, you know, can they can they now get back to where they were? Um, that's the key standpoint for them in this team. Right now, they're eighth in the East. They've been on a mini winning streak here with two here. And, you know, you wonder with Quinn Snyder, who's been terrific at uh, player development, you see what he's done with Donovan Mitchell, you see what he did with Rudy Gobert, you see what he was able to do as far as bringing that team together here. Um, Atlanta has some pieces. They really do have some pieces. And honestly speaking, if Atlanta can figure this thing out, it, there's no reason why they're not into the, you know, five, six slot. Now, do I think that they're going to be good enough to knock down Milwaukee or Boston or Philly? No, they, they still have a lot of questions in the offseason, whether it's John Collins or a lot of other guys that they're, they have to question whether they're going to bring them back. Now, I like what they did with the trade, uh, getting DeJon Murray over there. You got Sadiq Bey here, who I think is a fabulous player from Detroit, an excellent guy coming out of Villanova. Um, you know what Trey Young can do, although when you look at him defensively, I believe he's the uh, maybe the, the low, like maybe part of the last five as far as metric wise defending. So he's not very good defensively here. So, um, yeah, it's a tough situation. You know, Atlanta still got to figure out some free agents here, but I think Quinn Snyder will definitely bring that locker room together. There shouldn't be any kind of coach player you know, back and forth here. I think he's able to get players to play hard, buy into his system, and he is there for the players as well. You know, the one thing that I can say about Quinn Snyder is he's been in Atlanta before. He was on uh, Mike Budenheiser's uh, staff there when he was in Atlanta. So I expect Atlanta to get leaps and bounds better. I'm not sure if it's going to happen by the end of the season, but they do have a legit chance of being in the playoffs here. Um, and lastly, man, let's give a shout out to the Milwaukee Bucks here winning 104 to 101. The key out of this thing, uh, if you if you take any key out of this, is that Giannis went down with another injury, with a quad injury. He had already been out with a wrist injury, right, prior to the All-Star game. The fact that Milwaukee has now won, I believe, 13 straight here, um, that speaks volumes here, okay, because they've been able to win without their best player on the floor here and I can only imagine what happens when you get Giannis back at full strength here you know they have added the depth there with Jay Crowder who I think in a lot of ways if you're looking at what they had when they won the championship they had P.J. Tucker Jay Crowder is like P.J. Tucker but shoots the ball a lot better and can create his own shot here um you look at Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton really hasn't necessarily been uh, healthy and played at a consistent clip. When you get Chris Middleton back to where he was, which I think he's trending in that right direction, um, you know, you look at the fact that they do have uh, Joe Ingles, a terrific shooter coming over from Utah. He's obviously going to get better 
as he goes along coming back from that. Pat Covington, once he gets off the injured uh, list here, I think he had a sore calf. Another guy that is a champion and can contribute as well. I love what they have with Javon Carter. He reminds me a lot of Drew Holiday, a guy that is steady, that can come off the bench and will be able to give you significant backup minutes. They still kept Bobby Portis. They have Brooke Lopez here, who is back from the back, and they have Grayson Allen. Tons of shooters, tons of guys that can create here. And the fact that they have shown to themselves that they can win without their star and without one of their other stars playing well this is a scary team and I I am seeing right now the Eastern Conference Finals I believe it is going to be Milwaukee and Boston right now um, if I'm to make a guesstimation here but you know those are some of the top things that I saw here this weekend in the NBA now we move forward here to something that I think was just as exciting here and that was the uh, the boxing match here. I thought that this was very, very interesting here. So if you've been following here, uh, Jake Paul, who is a YouTube sensation now, uh, a fighter here, had been pretty much knocking out just about everybody that he has gone against. Um, the key here, he was going against Tommy Fury. Um, you, if you remember, or if you've have been watching boxing, a uh, boxing, his brother is Tyson Fury, I believe the heavyweight champion of the world there. So, um, very good though. I mean, this was a very, very, very good match, man. And it was one of those things where I definitely, the one takeaway that I can take out of this thing is that, you know, Jake Paul can really box, man. I, I mean, I know he's like knocked people out and stuff like that, but the fact that the fight went the distance was good. Uh, when you look at the punch stats here, this was what I thought was a telltale sign here. And you could tell that, uh, you know, you could tell that 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 Fury was a lot more polished um, than Jake Paul. You know, because when you look at this, uh, as far as the landing numbers are concerned, you know, 88 total landed punches here out of the 302 that Fury had thrown. So he threw more. Um, Paul was 49 over 157. So only 49 landed out of his 157. But you look at the percentages here, the percentages were better for Jake Paul. I mean, he had the 31% versus the 29%. Um, and he also, I will put this down, he did get the knockdown. And it was late in the eighth round here, but lost in the split decision here. Um, you know, you look at the landed punches, 39 to 25 in, in favor of Fury. Jabs thrown 154 to 78 in favor of Fury, but the percentage again, Paul 32% to 25%. And so super efficient, man. You know, I know he didn't get off as many punches probably as he would like. And there is a rematch, I believe in the clause. So there will be a rematch here. But the fact that he came up short, um, you know, it's tough. But I, again, he was right there. I think that this could have went either way when you look at the percentages here. He was right there and he did knock the or did get the knockdown here. So, you know, it was a split decision, 74-75, uh, one judge solid, 76-73, and then 76-73 uh, in favor there 
of uh, of Tommy Fury there. So again, man, I, I thought it was a great boxing match here, man. Um, you know, if you got a chance to look at this on pay-per-view, I definitely think it was worth the money here. I think it's certainly going to be worth the money for the next fight here. And I think that this is terrific for boxing here. So you know, I think if you are a fight fan, make sure you go out here and check out their next fight because this fight was highly anticipated. Two fights were actually canceled prior to this fight. And so it was definitely worth it, man. So, you know, that is my take here on the uh, Jake Paul and uh, Tommy Fury fight here. So, um, guys, that is today's show here. Uh, definitely make sure that you go ahead and you follow us here as we do have a video podcast that does follow some different topics here um but that does play uh, once a week there you can catch us on youtube at real talk sports with rico i want to go ahead and thank anchor for being our platform i want to thank the people out there who have listened to us on a week-to-week basis here and actually help drive content to the show and i want to thank the sponsors out there who have put sponsorship on the show and so for myself This is Rico, Real Talk Sports. We'll be back with another show. Take care.